It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. If you made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you try to recreate the magic of the movie Aliens, but instead make a film more like And Then There Were None? Why, you'd get the movie Predators. Oh, holy shit, that was the quickest title theme ever. And really, it kind of does start like that. It just jumps you right into the action. So welcome to the podcast again this week. Uh, we are looking at the uh, movie from 2010, Predator, starring Adrian Brody uh, and Topher Grace, Lawrence Fishburne, Danny Trejo, and a couple other people that you might recognize and or not remember for their various roles that they've played in. Or they could just be fodder to be killed for our lovely Predators. So, uh, I will say that I do have some longer clips for this one because I feel like uh, either I could have cut up some of the clips and gone through them or we could just listen to them as one. Uh, and I decided on this one, you know what, let's just listen to them full. There is one that was cut up because there are two different tones to the type of clip. So, there's going to be, uh, clips are long, but I'm not saying that they're longer than, you know, two minutes. I, they're not even two minutes long. A lot of them are just like a minute something. But it does feel like a longer set of uh, time listening to a clip versus, you know, going through the podcast. But I really feel that the way that they're set up, it's just hard to kind of break them down. And especially since you're in an action movie where, again, a lot of the scenes, it's just crap happening. And you really don't have a whole lot of dialogue. But when they have dialogue scenes, it's fucking jam-packed with everything that they want to give you. Every exposition about everything that's going on in the movie. Because we need to get to that next action set piece. Uh, and warning before I start. It's not much of a warning, I guess. But, you know, I had never seen this film. And I was assuming one thing about the film. And there was something that somebody had told me about the film that kind of ruined it for me a little bit. Um, and that was uh, a reveal that happens at the end of the movie. And the thing is, is I remembered it like 10 minutes into watching it. Once I saw somebody show up and I was like, oh yeah, that guy's that. Uh, and it sucks. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, I definitely would say... If you're going to continue listening to it, please do yourself a favor. Uh, this is one of the few ones I say to go ahead and just stop the podcast right now, watch the film, and then come back to it. Uh, it is a fun film to watch. Um, and since I can't really, like I said, it's a lot of action, uh, you know, I am going to be giving a lot of it away if you've never seen it before. I know I do it every program, and I normally don't give a spoiler because I kind of assume. But this is one of those rare occasions where I would say, go ahead and watch it first because I'm going to heavily spoil this movie if you have never seen it before. Even though I heavily spoil it most of the time. Uh, so, you know, I'll give you a five second break to go ahead and pause this and then come back. Okay, so now that you're back, that was less than five seconds. Uh, I'm welcoming you back to our lovely podcast and we're going to talk about Predators. And Predators... 
is a 2010 try to reboot the franchise. And when I say try, they do really try. It, it is an interesting idea. And it's definitely, I will say this off the bat before I even give my final scores on this, it's much better than Predator 2. Uh, I almost feel like I'm doing you a disservice by doing this film versus doing Predator 2. And I think maybe later on we'll actually have to do that as an episode of the podcast. But honestly, it's not a bad movie and it's quite entertaining. It falls into that it's so bad it's good. But there are things that are wrong with it. Um, and uh, we'll definitely get into those. But let's start with the beginning of the movie. In the beginning of the movie, it really is, literally, you get the logos of the different film producers that are involved. You know, Troublemaker Studios, this is produced by Robert Rodriguez's company, uh, which, you know, it was his try to kind of get somebody fresh and somebody new back into the franchise of Predator, because we really haven't seen a proper Predator movie in a while. I mean, we had Predator, and then Predator 2 with Danny Glover, and then what happened? Absolutely nothing, because... The Predator franchise, at least uh, theatrically, didn't warrant the same type of sequels that the Alien franchise got. It didn't seem to get, it didn't get that Aliens, you know, uh, where James Cameron came in and he totally, he redid the genre. You know, Ridley Scott did an excellent job in creating this very claustrophobic and very scary, you know, film in alien and then aliens while still being a scary film is a high power fucking action movie i mean that thing is just non-stop and it uses the character so well and brings us a couple of new characters um and it's such a wonderful film but predator 2 didn't get that predator got predator 2 in fucking la with again danny glover and a couple cool nods in it it's, you know, for that, it's kind of cool. But for the most of it, I just found it kind of boring. And I felt it was slow. Um, and that's, again, something else that I could go back to, probably rewatch it again. I haven't seen Predator 2 in fucking ages. So I could be forgetting things that maybe were better than I remember them when I was younger. But after Predator 2, you really got nothing else. You got two crappy crossover films <laughs> in Alien vs. Predator and Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Now, Requiem is much better because it went through the R rating and it didn't get the PG-13 piece of shit rating that Alien vs. Predator got. When I want to see an Alien vs. Predator movie, I don't want to see it fucking rated R. But Requiem still had some very weak angles to it that, you know, I I'm not here to talk about right now. But here comes Robert Rodriguez. And he is a very big fan of the Predator franchise at least Predator, and he wanted to give it that type of feel. Well, as a producer, so he, you know, hires the director, and the director really has that idea of let's make a Aliens-type sequel, but sadly, that's not what we got, and what we truly got was what feels like an R-rated Agatha Christie movie. Uh, it literally is the story and i'm not trying to spoil anything right away and not trying to be like that but just have this in your head as you go through the film and as we talk about it here uh well i should say i talk about it it's really and then there were none you know if you know that film great if you don't please look it up uh it is a really great film and a really great agatha christie story um and really this follows a lot of that 
to a T just with mercs being dropped in a jungle hunted by predators. That's the bonus that you get uh, for this episode, if there is a bonus. So without further ado, let's go ahead and finally talk about this fucking film. So it opens up really quick. Like I said before, title credits are really quick. And this the music does go on longer. I only made it as short as I did because we open up once the music stops on Adrian Brody's character. And he's just dropping from the sky. And you don't kind of know what's going on. You get a lot of wind noise along with the music. And it doesn't mix so well. So I don't want to subject you to listening to him pounding on his chest trying to get the parachute to open. Which it finally does. Like so close to the ground it's like ridiculous and now you kind of know based from the trailer what's going to go on they get dropped onto planet they get hunted but do you think if you're going to hunt somebody you're not going to drop them and have the parachute just fucking open five feet before you land aren't you going to like break its legs and then there's no point in fucking hunting it anymore but i digress on this point so he his parachute does finally open he comes crashing to the ground and then all of a sudden he turns around and who the hell is there? Why, it's Danny Trejo coming through the fucking forest as well, being dropped in on him. They have a little bit of a like a Mexican standoff. No offense, Danny. Uh, and then another person drops down in between them. This guy's parachute didn't open, and, and you can see he's broken his legs. And the ground really helped stop his fall. They try arguing for a little bit because they don't know where the hell they are. And Trejo's kind of, uh, you know, getting all weirded out. When all of a sudden, more shots bring out towards them from the uh, jungle uh, that's surrounding them. And it's basically a dude with a chain gun. Uh, Trejo, he just kind of jumps away and goes off into hiding trying to dodge it. But Adrian Brody's character, he actually outflanks him. And then he's actually able to pull his gun on him and get him to stop shooting. And they have a little bit of conversation of what's going on. You're shooting at the wrong people. How do I know? otherwise we wouldn't be having this conversation so after he's pulled the gun away from him the, the russian guy here has stopped uh shooting them and gone along with the fact that the three of them are all now together uh they kind of ask what was the last thing that they remembered what's the last thing you remember nikolai war yeah i was at the chechnya that was a light then i then I woke up and I was falling. Yeah, same thing. I was in Baja. And then there was a light. And then Chinga. And that's Olag. Uh, I'm going to totally ruin this last name. Uh, Takatarov, uh, who plays Nikolai. And shortly thereafter, we're introduced into the what I consider to be the poor woman's Michelle Rodriguez in Alice Braga. I mean, really, she looks very similar, and from the trailers, I really thought it was Michelle Rodriguez, but it turns out it's this actress, uh, and, like, everything just reminds me of Michelle Rodriguez, to the way the attitude is so that she does with her character, to the way that she speaks, though I can, the accent isn't so thick, or Michelle Rodriguez doesn't really use a hugely thick accent when she talks, but the acting style is very fucking similar to where they're wooden as fuck for most of the movie. Uh, they're also meant to look like a badass when you probably know that uh, she's going to become a damsel in distress at some point, even though she's going to do some badass things. But I digress on that. And that's a... Actually, you know what? I don't digress because that's a character trope I really fucking hate. Uh, it's fine when you have a strong female lead, but do it like Mad Max Fury Road. You know, Charlize Theron's character in that movie is the epitome of a strong female lead. 
I want to see that more in pictures where she does have a side of her that maybe is soft, but she doesn't become really a damsel in distress. She just shows her emotions eventually, but she's fucking stern and strong as shit on the outside and she can handle her fucking business when it goes down. Yes, towards the end of the film, there is something that happens in Mad Max Fury Road that maybe you could see her being a damsel in distress, but honestly, it's her being a badass that gets her into that situation. Whereas in here with uh, Braga's character, it's really just like, oh, I'm such a hard ass. I can't do the female version voice, okay? But it's, oh, I'm such a hard ass. I can't believe you. You should be fucking me. Oh, no. I'm trapped here. Somebody's got to save me. Let the poor man. I can't believe I'm going to be the one. That's the fucking problem that we have with this character. It's not a terrible character, but they use that weak fucking female trope that just drives me fucking batty and i'm not saying that every film needs to have a strong female lead or every once in a while you can't have a damsel in distress because you know it sometimes tradition is kind of cool uh and it should really go for both ways you know but if you're gonna have a hard ass fucking female character she better be the hardest motherfucker that they're ever motherfucked in the whole world and don't just turn her into some fucking damsel when you know the, the plot seems convenient now I'll digress from that. So they begin talking about what they should do and where they should go. Uh, and they, you know, we get to meet a Yakuza guy uh, that steps in the mud and then takes off his shoes and goes off. I, I really don't know the point of it. I don't know if he's like hunting them. He doesn't want to be heard. He doesn't want to be seen. But, you know, that's where we kind of go, you know forward with it it's just weird he the, the character in general is just an odd character because he seems to understand english all the goddamn time but you don't know that he speaks english until almost the last act of the movie that he finally understands what's going on even though the entire time adrian brody's barking out fucking orders that he's fucking doing so they're walking along and you know they all start talking again and trying to remember if they were ever in a ship you remember a plane I woke up in free fall. You? Same. You IDF? Yeah. You in the service? Not exactly. Then we run across two more characters that are fighting. And hey, look, it's Tarantino's favorite fucking races in Walton Goggins. Now, I probably say the name and you do not know who the fuck this is. But if you see the guy's face, so he was in Django Unchained as a racist and he's in uh, the last Tarantino movie, The Hateful Eight, as a sheriff or a guy that's going to become sheriff who is, again, a racist and just spouts the N-word all over the fucking place. So what is he in this? Well, he's an inmate that somehow is made to the planet. And he's fighting with uh, another guy. It's a revolutionary guy. He's from the RUF. And there's no fucking way that I'm going to say this guy's first name correctly. The last name is Ali. The first name, and please bear with me, is Maher Shalathashbaz, I think. Uh, yeah. So they run to them. They're fighting. They break them up. And uh, then they hear somebody on the distance. And why it's none other than Topher Grace being a bitch already. Hello? I'm trapped in a parachute in a fucking tree! Then won't you shut the fuck up? 
Oh, thank God. I think I can... I think I can... Stop moving. You're breaking the branch. You have anything to cut yourself down with? Why would I... No, I don't. Look, we can get some rope from one of the chutes. Do something! That was a nice fucking shot, Adrian Brody. Except for, you know what you should have done? You should have just fucking shot him right in between the eyes for that fucking portrayal of Venom, you stupid motherfucker. Okay. Uh, maybe he'll die first. Maybe he'll die first. Or, you know, since his name is predominantly, you know, very prominent there in the credits, he's going to last towards the end of the movie. Please, Tover, please die early. That's all I ask of you at this moment in time. Die early. Die fast die early so now we've got our ragtag bunch of groups uh of group of people we've got the dmx wannabe and the ruf uh soldier we've got uh, adrian brody's character who's uh some type of mercenary it seems like we've got uh braga's character and she seems to be some type of mercenary or government worker who may be special ops uh, you got Trejo, who's part of the, uh, what seems like to be like a mafia, Spanish mafia, uh, a drug cartel enforcer, I should say. Uh, you've got a Yakuza guy, and then you've got the Russian special ops, and a prisoner, and Topher, who says that he's a doctor. One of these things is really not like the other, and probably is going to change towards the end of the movie. But I won't say which... Because you probably know already, like I do, even by just watching this film. I was ruined by it, but even watching it, I know that something is going to happen. So, as they start walking through the forest, they're still trying to figure out exactly where they are. Where they come across some random alien, like, statues. Not really statues, they're kind of like structures. More look like maybe single claws that come out of the ground. And they start talking about how uh, they also see a bunch of bones and everything along the ground and how they're all kind of trophies. And is this a test of, uh, of them as people? Who will do this? Whoever they are, they take trophies. In my culture, the warrior with the greatest trophies command the most respect. And that really is when you think about to the last couple of Predator movies. I'm not going to talk about the Versus ones. But truly it is about the trophy and about the hunt with these guys. And we know that's really established. And that's kind of establishing that for these group of people. So while they're looking at this and they're all getting freaked out, they decide to try to figure out how exactly do they get out of this place. It's a test. To see how we do under pressure. If this were a test, you'd all be military. Total strangers. Five rounds. This is something else. Maybe it's ransom. Back in Tijuana, we kidnap you. Put you in a oil drum. The ransom's not paid. We light you on fire. I hear these uh, stories about these experiments. They run on cons. And they stick drugs in your food and they sit back and, and watch what happens. Well, it's not drugs. If it was a psychotropic compound, we'd be feeling the residual side effects. Loss of motor skills, blurry vision. And if it was a behavioral experiment, I mean, there'd, there'd be a point. But if we are dead, 
was going to be executed in two days. And I was in combat. So was I. This is hell. Last time I looked, you didn't need a parachute to get there. But it doesn't matter what happened. But why? We're here. Only question is, how do we get out? Okay, so a couple things I want to talk about here. It's kind of a really interesting theory that the, uh, we're going to talk about, let's say he's the African soldier, because I sure as hell can't remember the name right now. Uh, but let's, let's talk about what his theory is, that they're all dead. And it's kind of an interesting theory if that, if this was like an afterlife situation where they were brought in because they were evil people or they were killers, lethal killers, uh, except for really Topher, right? Because supposedly he's a doctor, but if they did go to hell, maybe he did something wrong, uh, or maybe he used to, you know, be touchy touchy with his, uh, patients that he worked with and that would send him to hell. It's kind of a neat idea if you went along that route. But, you know, you kind of know already that it's not going to be that way based upon the trailers that you've seen. But I like the idea that is kind of planted in your head at that moment. You know, if not that they are uh, in hell, but they're all taken from a point in time to which they were going to be either killed or they could possibly die. So nobody's really going to miss these people because they're in the middle of combat or they're in the middle of being put to death or or whatever happens with these guys. And who cares if they, they're gone? Nobody's going to look for them and we're just going to dump them here on the planet. So it one of the things that you kind of never get is how do they get these people uh, to be a part of their game preserve. And that's something that's never talked about in the film. And I'd like to think it's like an alien situation where there's a company that provides these people for the Predators. So the Predators are in business to get something from every planet. Like you got like a black market, maybe like, you know, uh, human or uh, game selling uh, group of people. And the Predators pay these people to have them beamed like Star Trek style into a ship, get them knocked out and then drop them onto the planet. It, it would be kind of interesting if we went kind of that way. I, I kind of wish I'd seen more of that background stuff or if they could have figured something out. But, you know, for the length of this movie and how it runs, uh, that's about what you're going to get. So, uh, and also it seems like, of course, Topher Grace's character knows more than he's letting on. Leading you to believe that there's something more to him. You know, why is he there? There's really not a whole lot of questions of... You, you don't get to ask it very often. You see it by his actions, especially towards the end of the film, which I'll get into. I don't want to talk about it right now. Uh, but really, you get a lot of like hints and kind of winks. Uh, and it's kind of annoying, to be honest with you. It's like, hey, you know, he, he's a he's just a normal guy. I'm one of those wild and crazy guys. Oh, no, that's Steve Martin. That's not Topher Grace. Anyway, I digress. Uh, the other thing is, is that Adrian Brody is trying too fucking hard to be a fucking badass. And this is the way he talks through the entire fucking movie. And it kills me. This is the one thing I absolutely hated. And I liked his character. This, I, it just throws a fucking wrench into the whole thing. Like, what the hell is going on here? Why can't you just fucking talk normal? 
do you need to make it seem like you're more of a badass because you won an Oscar for a movie being uh, a different type of badass well, or kind of broken character? You know, you do all these dramatic roles, and here this is one of the first times we're going to be in this action movie. So you decide that, oh, I'm going to talk like this the whole time. Uh, we're going to go this way, and I'm going to do it, and uh, then we're going to take them down. No, they're going to die. Oh, I, I can't believe Even the, like the fucking sentimental scenes in the movie, he can't break the fucking voice and the fucking character. Oh, yes, I love you. Oh, no, this is just the way I talk all the time. You know, it's kind of a mix of, like, Sean Connery with uh, some badassness. Maybe I'm trying to be Arnold without being Arnold. Uh, I'm just going to keep talking like this for the rest of the... No, fucking change it up. You don't have to be this badass-sounding like guy. Because you don't sound badass when you do it. You sound like a piece of shit. So they decide to keep moving on after they've kind of all become this ragtag group of people. And they stop while they're wandering and look out on the cliffs. And Braga's character has a question for Adrian Brody's character where he sees something doesn't really belong. What do you think is really going on? What do I think? Spetsnaz. Alpha group. Mosetas, cartel enforcer. RUF. It's a death squad from Sierra Leone. Yakuza and the Gawakai. My FBI is most wanted. And him. They're all heavy hitters. He doesn't belong. Braga's character, she tries to figure out where exactly they're going. And, you know, she asks Brody's character, you know, do you exactly know where you're going? And she shows him on the ground that they're... You know, when she's trying to show him directional, she puts the leaf in water and it just constantly spins. To which Brody realizes, well, between that and the sun that's never gone down, we're in for some deep shit. So the ragtag group of our anti-heroes, as we'll kind of call them from now on, they continue on to where they come upon a bunch of traps that have been set by somebody. Now, they're able to get away. And it's kind of an exciting scene because you see all the traps go off and how fucking bad somebody must have wanted to kill something and uh the the part of this scene that i don't like is where we get into braga's character being the fucking damsel in distress because she's the only one that's shown almost falling into a pit of spikes and needing brody's character to come save her the last fucking minute and again this whole time she's been kind of a fucking badass at least the way that she's talking and treating people to okay now we got to be saved because we have to create some sort of bond between brody and braga which, whatever. Uh, let's just keep going with it. So after they escape the traps, they see that there was a soldier there that's been killed. And uh, they notice that he's got a journal entry on him. And he actually should have been fighting in the Afghanistan war. But the traps, they're weird. They should have been set. Uh, if they were set for humans, uh, it wouldn't be something so overwhelming. And Adrian Brody kind of explains it a little more. United States Special Forces. This is strange. He's supposed to be deployed in Afghanistan. What's he doing here setting traps for us? They weren't meant for us. He was hunting something else. Something a lot bigger. Bigger? The trunk was a deadfall. Rule of thumb with the deadfall is you set the weight five times that of the target animal. Whatever it was, it got through the tripwires. And I did this. 
So what I also forgot to mention is that before they started, uh, you know, Idiot Man set up all the traps uh, by just falling on the tripwire, they found all these, like, boxes uh, or crates that were also airdropped into this area. So they're finding out that there was more than just them that was actually sent in uh, to be in this jungle. And we don't really know what it is. All we know is that it's got these weird bugs that are kind of coming out of the, the cages and there could be a lot more to do with what's uh, going on. The other thing that I noticed that was kind of weird with this situation, especially with this army guy in the, the, the ground that was killed, nobody talks about the giant fucking hole in his chest. I mean, the dude's got a huge hole that's just kind of sitting there. You know, you would think that you'd look at that and you'd be like, something fucking ridiculous fucking killed him. Like, that's not a normal fucking bullet unless somebody fucking fired a grenade into his chest and, you know, it blew out or something like that. You know, you would think that it would be uh, a point that you'd want to try to figure out what's going on. But it's possible also that maybe that they're thinking about it and they're just not saying it out loud. So our African uh, member of the group, he seems to have some type of, like, super sight and see something in the distance. Uh, and what he actually does notice is that there's a predator in the background, but he doesn't really see anything. It's just kind of like a spidey sense that he's got going on back there and seeing what could, you know, be hunting them or stalking them. And it turns out, of course, the predators are looking on. Then all of a sudden, uh, we get one of the funnier parts of the movie with <laughs> the group being startled. Hey, you know what? Fuck this. This is bullshit, man. I want a gun. Come on, man. You got two motherfucking guns, man. Somebody give me a gun. Come on, Russian. You got a big fucking gun. And this is Stan's complaining, who is Walter Grogan's character. And what he does is he has a knife, right? And he's basically calling it bullshit that he has the fucking knife. And it actually is one of the funnier scenes. And he is your comic relief of the movie. And I think that's kind of what he really needs to be for this film though it's a little odd at times especially a scene i am going to play for you later on in the film that i was a little uncomfortable of if it's supposed to be a funny scene though it is kind of funny uh but yeah he's got his knife and basically he's like this shit won't do uh i need to have a real fucking weapon why don't you guys give me one of those guns and he holds the knife up to the ruf character's neck and to which he turns puts the gun up to his and they end up breaking it off because they're interrupted by something coming in the distance. And now this is where I started to get excited because I was like, finally, we're, we've been, you know, this is almost like close to 30 minutes into the movie and we've already set up enough and it's kind of been neat because, you know, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't feel like it's been moving slow. We had a nice action sequence with them all dodging all the traps and everything, but finally, we're going to see a fucking predator. I am so excited to see what they did with these guys. So they get to the camera, you know, coming up upon them and it's moving fast and you don't really see what it is. And I'm like, great, we're going to go. All right. I wait to see it. Oh my God. Can't wait to see what a predator looks like. And then what comes up? A fucking like dog beast. That's not a fucking predator. What the fuck are you doing? What? 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 Uh, I can't believe this. This is what we get to see. We see dog things, and then they start chasing them around, and everybody's got to be saved. 
And, you know, I guess that they could, you know, maybe they could kill. Maybe they're the wildlife of the planet and they're going to kill them and they could use them for food to make sure that they eat while they're running away from everybody. And there's that there's a scene and and with uh, I believe it's uh, it's either Topher or Stans and why it escapes right now. Uh, And Braga's got the gun and she's pointing it and it's that stupid fucking slow type scene where they wait to the last minute to shoot when they've got everything set i understand if you are a sniper and something is moving you want to make sure you've got the shot okay but it takes so long for her to take off the shot she could have taken off much sooner and she of course she gets at the last possible minute and it's Topher grace's character if i i'm totally sure on this one um i don't know why it's escaping my mind fellas but it is uh but so Basically takes the stupid dog, one of the dog beasts out and saves him. Uh, and they're, you know, they're all fighting. They're still doing everything. And then, you know, she's with, with Topher. They've all fought everybody. Some people run other ways. Some people are helping out. The RUF guy helps out Stans at the last possible minute. But Stans actually stabs the shit out of the neck of one of the guys. Uh, you know, Brody helps kill a couple of the guys along with the Russian uh, you know, the Russian's pretty awesome to have his chain gun with him so he can mow these fucking things down. And uh, the dog, one of the dog-like beasts is coming up and is about to go get Braga and Topher. And Topher's climbed up in the tree. And uh, it's rushing at her. And then she takes out her gun. And instead of, well, she does fire a couple shots at the thing. But it doesn't really slow down. And so she decides, I, instead of climbing up the tree, I'm just going to shoot myself in the head and be done with it. Really? You're just going to go out like that like that fast that quick do you really need to well uh then all of a sudden we hear like a fucking dog whistle it stops the thing in its tracks and it leaves that's it that that's our scene we get to see them run around kill a couple of these dog things and then they get called away now it's kind of cool because brody's character does explain to them that it is like a, uh, you know, it's basically used to flush them out. Uh, and they ask, well, why do you know that? And he's like, that's because that's the technique that I would use. You know, I would send my dogs out to see how you react and maybe try to break off somebody. And the, they also talk about what this place actually is. Excuse me. I'm just what the hell is going on here? Being hunted. The cages, soldier, all of us, we're all brought here for the same purpose. This planet is the game preserve. And we're the game. So he's actually the smartest character in this fucking movie. And like I said, I like his character. I do. I just can't stand the acting of that character. It drives me fucking nuts the entire fucking movie. Even listening back to it now, it's driving me fucking crazy. So... They count uh, all the people that are part of their group, and lo and behold, they're short one person. And that person is, oh God, no. Really? Danny Trejo, he's the one that's going to be missing from the group. He's the one that's going to be the first to fucking die in this movie. Are you kidding me? I mean, it really couldn't be Tover. Of course not. He's one of the bigger names in the movie. He's one of the ones that has the going to start, and he has to survive to the end of the movie for some reason, right? I get to see him for everything. Uh, Okay, so what what exactly happens? So they do walk upon Treo's body because you hear him yelling help out in the distance. And he keeps saying help. Uh, And, of course, Braga's character wants to go out there and help him. But 
he she's held back by Brody's character saying, "Hey, we got to leave him because if you know, it's a trap and if we're going to survive, you know, we need to just keep moving on." She fights him a little bit, but the RUF guy explains exactly why he knows what this is. Wound one man. Make him suffer. Make him bleed. Make him call out for help. And set a trap. And kill those who come. I know because I have done this. So it's kind of neat because they're all using their tactics against them so far. Not everything... But, uh, you know, some of the stuff that they've used so far in the film, at least the Predators have, these guys have also done too. So it's not just, it doesn't seem just like a game preserve, but also kind of like a training ground to see what they could learn maybe. Or if these guys are good enough to recognize the tactics the Predators are using because they're really in for the thrill of the hunt. I forgot to mention something too that's really important. And it happens kind of before all this. There's a scene where there's this weird flower that's growing, and the Russian guy goes to touch it. And when the Russian guy goes to touch it, Topher's character, he goes over to it and he explains that the plant has some type of neurotoxin and takes a scalpel that he has and dips it to show him, here's the poison, and he completely covers the blade. Now, this is just basically to tell him, hey, watch out, there's something, you know, you don't trust the plants on this planet. And it's weird that he knows, I, I know, I know, you, you can really kind of go where I'm going with this, right? But he knows this type of alien type of plant already, you know, and the fact that it has some type of neurotoxin on it. Like, what's, what is his deal? You know, maybe he, maybe he knows a lot about different types of flat plants and flora and flana. Uh, mm, flan... Oh, I got to not think about food right now. Finish podcast, finish podcast. Then I can have some flan. Uh, so they see Trejo there and he's out there. And of course, Braga say, no, no, we have to get him. We have to blah, blah, blah. And I'm just thinking about if we're going to leave him and he's already been kind of wounded, why don't you just shoot him in the fucking head and be done with it? So they all leave. She stays there for a second. Then she does do that. She does shoot him in the head. But after she does it, she still hears the help, help. So it's more than just... That sounded like E.T. there, by the way. Uh, (laughs) uh, It's more than just him being injured. And they turn around to show that Trejo is actually already dead. And the predator in the tree is actually using the voice uh, of Trejo to manipulate them to come closer. It's at this point that a ragtag group of uh, adventurers have come across a camp. And it looks to be like actually the camp of the Predator. Now, in the beginning, I thought that this might have just been something else that somebody set up to scare them. But as you go through the scene and kind of see where everything's going, you actually see that there's a Predator change up to a rock. Everybody thinks it's dead, but it comes back alive. And that actually causes another scene where the Predators actually attack everybody. And the poor RUF guy gets killed by a trap that was set there. They all manage to get away and escape. Uh... And it's kind of interesting because when the Predators are shooting everybody, they seem to miss quite a lot, but they're able to actually shoot the Russian's gun with perfect fucking aim. So they're not able to actually kill anybody, but they're able to destroy his weaponry. 
because he, of course, they're trying to dodge the fact that he has a chain gun and that can outshoot most of everything they have. Uh, but they're not able to actually use their beam weapons and just punch a hole through his fucking chest. So they all run away. They get off the cliff. There's now two of them down and there's six left in the party to go. We see a, a, like a predator drone fly across the, the whole landscape. And I guess predators using drones now. And we see them all hiding inside of a cave. They jumped into a river to escape everything. And now they're kind of out of the distance of everybody. And that's where it breaks down that actually Brody's character set everybody up. You set us up. He led us into that death camp. Then hated for the thing to strike. We were bait. I needed to know who we were up against. Now I do. The man is dead because of that. This morning you were ready to kill him. Well, it ain't this goddamn morning, is it? Well, at least you didn't die in vain. Why? So we could find out firsthand what it feels like to have our asses kicked? No, we found out that there's more than one of them. That they use projectile and energy-based weapons. That they have some sort of cloaking device. That they're bigger than us. Stronger. But also heavier. You put us at risk for yourself. You want to be on your own? You got it. Why don't you tell them the truth? I don't know what you're talking about. You know about. what I'm talking about. The way you looked at that thing that was strung up. The way you reacted. She knows what it is. Don't you? So, this is the point in the film where... I thought the worst and I thought that it was really going to go downhill because I I thought Braga's character was the chick from the first film and you'll kind of get that idea as I play the next clip of her explaining how exactly she knows what it is but I truly thought that she was the one that was saved by Arnold her and the kid that either she was the kid or she was the older uh, lady that was there which might have been better than what she actually is. It might have been kind of cool, but the fact that they actually do a lot of this and connect it directly to her, you know, her story a little bit connects the movies together. It's kind of neat, but at the same time, I was really hoping like that's kind of a cheesy way out of it. And I wasn't really sure if I wanted to do that or, or that the movie to do that or not, I should say, but it's, it of course doesn't turn out to be that, which is again a little bit of a spoiler. But it's neat that they do recant the whole thing, and that she's the one that knows actually kind of what the predators are. Uh, and it's great to see the multiple predators in there, but they're the one mask looks horrible. To be honest with you, the one for the the main bad guy predator looks kind of like crap. Uh, but the predators again, but the the predator predator when he's outside of the mask, he looks pretty damn good. Uh, and there is going to be another one there. And there's something again at the end of the movie that I've got to talk about, but I won't talk about right now. That's called a teaser. So Braga's character goes into and actually talks about the Predators. We don't have a name for them. Eighty-seven Guatemala. A spec ops team went into the jungle. High end. Six men plus a CIA liaison. Only one made it out. 
In his debrief, he said they came in contact with something. He gave a detailed description. The thing on the totem. It wore some kind of camouflage that adjusted to ambient light. Made it nearly invisible in our spectrum. He could see in the infrared. Heat signatures. He used mud to block his. That's how he beat it. It hunted and killed his team. One by one. Whatever it is, wherever they're from, we're gonna kill them all. We're gonna kill them all. Maybe he should do more of like a Batman type voice, a Christian Bale Batman. We're gonna kill them all. How could trust us? Justers. Um, so they devise a plan that they're going to try to bottleneck them and then uh, attack them and hopefully kill one of them. Uh, this gives us a little bit of time of reflection. And we see Stans having the most awkward, supposedly joke of this entire fucking movie. You know, man, if we ever make it home, I'm going to do so much fucking cocaine. I'm gonna rape so many fine bitches. Be like, what time is it? Five o'clock? Damn. Time to go rape me some fine bitches. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Totally. It's like five o'clock. Bitch raping time. Well, I guess everybody has to have some sort of life goals, I guess. It's just really awkward. I mean, does he really have to play this type of character? It seems like in every film that he's in, he has to play some sort of either like racist or really hardened type of asshole. Uh, that's the roles that he seems to be doing. And usually the character is honestly is pretty likable, uh, even if it is kind of a dick character. And as the comic relief of the movie, he's not terrible. It's just, who thought to write that? Like, really, I the awkwardness of Topher giving the last lie and saying, yeah, bitch raping time, is actually funny. But the lead up to it is not funny at all. It's just, like, well, okay, it started off funny. I'm going to do so much cocaine. Like, that's, that's funny. But then it's like, it's bitch raping time. I'm going to rape so many fine bitches. You know what they say, it's five o'clock. It's time to rape some fine bitch. Why do you need to elaborate on it? It makes absolutely no sense to me. And I don't know why that part was kept in the movie or written in the movie, to be completely honest with you. The other thing I'm noticing at this point is it seems like the film is actually completely forgetting Predator 2. It's trying to be the sequel to Predator that it never truly had. And like I said before, it's trying to be the aliens to alien uh, and, you know, forget everything that actually happened in Predator 2. With this kind of interesting scene in between Brody's character and Braga's character, that it, for the film itself, it's kind of appropriate to see the two different types of characters, though yet they're really the same type of characters that they are. You know what the difference between you and me is? We both did the same thing. You just do it for a country, so you don't have to admit you like it. What happened to you? What made you so fucked up? There is no hunting like the hunting of a man. And those who have hunted armed men long enough and like it never really care for anything else thereafter. It's pretty poetic. 
Did you come up with that all by yourself? No, actually. That was Hemingway. So they run across the forest. Well, they're, they're staking out everything in the forest. And something starts running towards them, which they believe to be a predator. But it's not. It ends up actually, well, they used, first they used Topher Grace as a lure to get the thing to come out. And it's one of the things that dropped from the sky in the crates. Because when they actually get up to it, it's got all the little bugs and stuff that were coming out of it that were coming out of the crates. That's where we now get introduced into, I think this is my favorite character in the movie. And he's only in here for a short time. And I always kind of like when he shows up. This is Lawrence Fishburne's character, which I just... The way that he plays the character is interesting. I understand he's still kind of got a little bit of the Adrian Brody type of acting here that's going on. And honestly, he's not very long, very long in this film. But he's one of the lone survivors of a group that was dropped in about 10 seasons ago. And the season, it seems like, to be every time they drop fresh meat into the thing to hunt. It goes into a little bit more about it later in the film. But he does approach them in kind of an odd way. And, well, here, this is a scene where he says that he actually could smell them. You talk too loud. Smelled you since you got here. If I can smell you, if I can hear you, they can too. So he rescues everybody, and he takes them back to their place. He kind of takes them under their wing, and uh, and what's kind of neat, too, when he shows up, he's actually wearing the Predator armor that allows him to go in and out of camouflage. And I thought that was kind of neat to kind of symbolize, hey, that he's actually killed one, and he's got the suit uh, that allows him to go undetected from them. And kind of also see what's going on. What we also kind of don't, know is if how long has he actually been following them like has he been the main one maybe setting up everything for them is he the guy that's been uh hunting them down and it's not truly a predator it's really been lawrence fishburne don't know but he does give them a nice warm welcome uh to which stems completely loves as he enters their place wow what a shithole you live here Oh, no. No. This is my summer home. I winter in the Riviera. The schools are so much nicer there. And the men. Ooh la la. By the way, you're welcome. This has them now settling down into uh, Fishburne's area. And the character's name is Nolan. Uh, and so Nolan kind of goes through what, how long he's been there. Like I said, he's been there for 10 seasons and it's kind of interesting how he says he found this place to kind of, uh, hide from everything that's out there. Yet he still goes out there to scavenge and kind of go what's on. And he does a, well, he has a really nice long scene and I've broken these two into two different parts and we'll talk a little bit about the first part after, and then we'll go on to the second one. But this is him talking about, one, how he's killed one, and giving a little more lore on the Predator universe. So you killed one? Uh, I killed two, maybe three. I can't remember. Anyway, there's two different types of them out there. 
Now, they're similar, but they're different. It's kind of like the difference between dogs and wolves. The ones that are running things up there, the larger ones hunt the smaller ones. It's some kind of blood feud, I guess, been going on for a long time. Yeah. Well, they do this just for sport. Oh, yeah, they bring in fresh meat season after season. I mean, shit, you wouldn't believe. <laughs> bring it in and uh, hunt it and kill it in that order. So it's kind of neat that they tell you that there's a hierarchy of the predator, uh, you know, society. And if you aren't too much up on the lore, it's kind of a neat way to bring you into it. It's not as in-depth as something, say, you went out and got the Predator comics, or you went and read a Predator book, uh, you know, or even the Avalon vs. Predator franchise gives you a little bit more than maybe even this film might. But it's kind of neat that you he's learned this just from his surroundings and in dealing with the different Predators. And we notice this also because with the one that's chained up, he has to be somebody that's on the lower hierarchy, while the ones that are actually hunting everybody, they're the ones on the top of everything. As they continue to talk, he kind of, Nolan explains that there really isn't a way off of the planet, but Brody wonders about the ship that the Predators arrived on the planet on. Maybe you or your friend want to tell me about that ship. Let's see. That's a brilliant idea. Brilliant. The whole time I've been here, it never occurred to me to uh, commandeer the alien spacecraft. I, I wouldn't know how to fly it. He would. Of course, you know how to fly. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> now, I can't tell if Fishburne's Nolan is just being batshit insane right here, or if he's actually honest where he's never actually thought about the fact that he could just steal one of the ships and maybe that's the way they could get off. Uh, I'm going to think about the first instance. I think that he's being a lot more sarcastic about the situation. Oh, I've never thought about using the ship. Oh. That's what I kind of think we're going for for this scene. And, you know, I would probably also be pretty batshit insane if I was on this planet being hunted by random aliens that I've never seen before in my life and daily trying to struggle just to survive and hiding in places that maybe I have barely amounts of food and probably all the people that I was with were killed off and I'm just trying to scavenge to survive. I'd probably be batshit insane too. So everybody decides that they're going to go to sleep for the night because they're in a protected space and... There's a lot of different conversations that go on. We finally hear the Yakuza guy speak English for the first time and realize that he's understood everything that's gone on, which I wish they would have talked about earlier in the film. Uh, The prisoner guy seems less rapey, but him and Topher and the Russian all have conversations about family. The Russian shows pictures of his kids that he wants to get back to and hands the photo over to Topher. And then uh, our prisoner, Stern's guy, he shows a uh, tattoo of a girl on his stomach, which happens to be your sister. Of course, Tover says, oh, is that a bitch that you want to rape? Uh, again, that fucking thing. Or is that a girl that, maybe not a bitch that you want to rape, but that is a girl that you want to go home to, something like that. And then we have uh, one of the more poignant uh, conversations in the film where you realize what the title of the film actually truly means. You said we were chosen. 
I asked for what? I should have asked why. It's because we are predators. Just like them. We're the monsters of our own world. It's only better that we're never going back. I am going. to fly it in the last hour and not tell me? No. That thing strung up at the camp might know. My guess it'd do just about anything to get free. Enemy of my enemy. That doesn't make it a friend. So now that Brody's got a plan and we've kind of understand that the movie is more, I think, entitled to the people that are in the film... Because uh, it is it is about the Predators and the Predators chasing these guys. But it's definitely a more of a focus on the humans in this film being Predators of their world. Which, she does a really nice explanation if you haven't kind of gotten it throughout watching this film. Uh, that, I think, is, is a very interesting idea. Because everything that these Predators do to them, as I've explained before... It's all something somebody in this party has done once in their life when trying to track down people or trying to kill people that they've been assigned to kill. It's really interesting and it's really neat that they made these types of correlations between the two uh, and that you truly do get a sense of feeling that this isn't just a game preserve. Uh, It is a training ground. And they they do explain that as well as that the predators that they adapt to every time that they get defeated and they get new people in they learn new ways to go around it or new ways that these people have avoided them and how to now make sure that they actually are able to catch them so while they're having this conversation everything seems to be looking up and that they're going to survive for a little while longer brody has a plan of where to go lawrence fishburne's nolan decides to start smoking them out and basically uh, causes everybody to go into panic because the room is slowly filling with smoke, and he's really going to come after them and take them. And this is where he gets a little more crazy talking to his friend. You see this shit you've got nothing to do, man? I told you that. You never listened to me, though. Six more, six more fucking miles of feed. I can barely stand living with you. I'm going to live with them, too. This causes Brody to go ahead and fire, uh, like, one of his little grenades uh, into the the hallway and he misses fishburn where they're like oh you didn't get him he's like that wasn't supposed to get him and that actually finally signals the other predators that have been looking for fishburn's character for a long time to notify him where he is they get up on the ship and poor fishburn goes down and goes down hard without much of a fight he gets kind of blown away by their energy beams everybody else now starts running out uh of the uh the ship that he, you know he was locked into and they they separate from Topher Grace for a little while. You see everybody go there. They find out where Topher is and they all run off. And you think he's going to be left by himself with his flares to fight off the fucking predators. I know why he's using the flares and the flares are primarily being used so that he can hopefully throw it in an area or create smoke that he can see the camouflage of the person. Again, it's a very smart move. And I don't know if a doctor would have originally thought about that and again, you kind of think about, huh, something else is going on with Topher. Uh, so the Russian guy, he comes by, and he actually comes back to save Topher. 
He knocks out the uh, the predator, or at least what knocks him out of the way. Gets Topher to a safe space. Topher he trips. Uh, well, he gets kind of attacked by the the predator, and he falls down, and he's not able to to walk anymore. And instead of Topher coming back trying to save him, he leaves him there on the ground like a bitch. And the the predator grabs him, and the Russian guy releases his hand, shows that he's got two grenades in his hands, and just blows the crap out of both him and uh one of the predators so now we're down to five people but two predators instead of three there's a really kind of weird and shitty cgi effect for the fire as it goes through the rest of the, the ship and it comes out the top it doesn't look really natural it's probably the weakest effect in the film and probably one of the easier effects for them to put out there uh, the prison guy starts talking shit. Yeah, we killed him, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets shot in the back by one of the predators. Uh, and instead of being like every other laser weapon that they've ever used in any of their films of like going through them, it just leaves a small hole in the back of him. So you think he's down and he survives, but he survives long enough to call the predator a fag. And I don't get it. I mean, maybe that's the character. I guess I kind of understand it. But he does get to stab the shit out of the Predator before the Predator stabs the shit out of him and kills him entirely. We also get that laser scene uh, at this point from the trailer where, you know, Adrian Brody is standing there. But instead of multiple lasers, like, they put, like, a shit ton on top of him. It's only one. That's all it was really supposed to be. And that's when, uh, you know, Stabby McPrison Guard comes back, or prisoner, I should say, comes back and actually saves him. Uh, but you do get one of the coolest kills in the film. It's not a stab. I, I'm sorry I said that he does stab him for a second, but he fucking sub-zeroes Starnes. He grabs his back and he rips out his fucking spine, and you get to see the spine and the, the skull just hanging in the Predator's hand as he holds it up in the air. And it's probably one of the most badass parts of the movie, uh, that you can see. I mean, it's not very gory, but the effect looks good, uh, and the fact that he, when he's holding it, it looks pretty realistic. And I was pretty ecstatic to see something like that. So now we're down to just the last four, and there's only two Predators that are chasing them. And I put this clip up on the Facebook page from YouTube, uh, and this is the most... This is probably one of the cooler scenes in the movie to me, personally, but also one of the most useless scenes in the movie. Because there's no reason that Yakuza Man needs to stay back and fight the Predator one-on-one with an old samurai sword that he found inside the ship. It, it is just... The reasoning behind it is stupid. There's no reason. He could have just kept going on with him, and he probably could have survived with him. But instead, he's going to stay back and fight with his honor. And there is a really, like I said, it is actually a pretty cool scene of him fighting with the samurai sword and the predator with his long, like, claw blade out. And they're just going at it, and they take each other out. It's set on, like, what looks like a rice paddy field, the way the sun is, or the, the, the sky is set everything it looks like an old like samurai type film and you have these two samurais finally battling it out and they're both gonna take each other down and it's cool i really liked it i liked the way that it was set up i liked the way that it was shot even the the finale of how they did it where you know he gets through and you see the predator collapse and then of course he is standing but then all of a sudden he collapses down at the last possible minute 
it's awesome. I am totally on board with it. I just think there is no good reason to do it. We see Brody and Braga and Topher's character. They're all running away. And Topher gets caught in a trap that's not meant to kill him. It's only meant to maim him and slow him down. And he ends up thinking of a plan with Topher Grace that I am 100% on board with. You can't leave me here. You can't. I have a family. I, I got kids. I'm sorry. We need to go. No. No. You are taking me with you. You are taking me with you! Look, you and I can still make it. We use him. We booby trap him. No. They'll go to him to take trophies. This is our last chance. This isn't right. He's one of us. He is. That's what they're counting on. They want you to feel something for this man. To be human. And what are you? Alive. This amount of dialogue right here is the reason why he is my favorite character in this movie and why I like him so much. Because he's smart. I know what he does at the end of the film, but honestly, he knows everything that's going to happen before it really happens with the Predators. He's on par with them. He knows how they think, what they're going to do, but nobody wants to fucking listen to him, and they all think that he's just a dick. Well, mostly Braga does. The other ones kind of understand where they're going with, but she seems to care about everybody too much. And it's possibly because of stuff that happened to her before. And I believe that she does explain that she was trying to save somebody and she just let him die. And she should have at least taken the shot and taken him out. But instead she let him be tortured, let him be, you know, uh, injured and everything. And she didn't do anything about it. And she feels bad. So she doesn't want to leave anybody behind anymore. And it kind of is dumb to be honest with you when you're in this situation, I understand there needs to be some type of humanity left in there, but when you're trying to survive and fight for your own survival, Brody's character is the way to go. In a horror movie or a sci-fi movie like this, it's completely the way to go. There's no reason to not go this way, to just worry about your thing. And he says it perfectly at the end when she asks him, what are you? And he says, alive, because he is smart. So he leaves the both of them to go try to get to the ship. She, of course, tries to help Topher, and they end up getting caught by the Predator, that the last one that's alive. Meanwhile, back at the Predator's camp, Brody's character frees the chained-up Predator, and he gets all his gears back on, and he looks like the original Predator. We know the original Predator is dead, but the way that he looks looks like classic Predator versus the other guys that all look like Predator new. Um, and the one... The mask on the one that's left, I think, is the dumbest fucking mask out of all the Predator masks that I've seen in this movie. And I kind of like the clean classic look of classic Predator right here. Of course, for some reason, there's always a reason for the Predators to help the humans. And he activates the ship for Brody to go off. Meanwhile, uh, the Predator knew he brings in uh, the, the two, throws them into a pit. And starts having some predator-on-predator action. And this is a pretty good fight scene as well between the two predators. And it's something, you know what, I never thought I really wanted to see. But hey, here I am and I got to see something that was pretty cool. You got two really good fight scenes. Uh, Even if the other one's a little slow with the way that they did the stuff, the samurai stuff. This is your more action-packed fight. And Brody, he kind of ditches the predator to go back to the ship. But alas, poor 
Predator Classic, he gets his ass handed to him and gets his head chopped off by New Predator. Uh, and uh, it's a... <laughs> I guess we can say that the Predator Classic was in over his head. Eh? Eh? Because he got his head chopped off? Eh? Get it? Get it? I can make horrible jokes too. Uh, so he goes... Brody's going to the ship. And you kind of cut away, and you see the ship take off. And uh, the other Predator, he uses his little arm thing, and he punches in some things, and the ship actually blows up. Meanwhile, we're inside the pit, and we're with Braga and Topher's character. And Braga starts saying to Topher, Hey, you know, before uh, the Predator comes, the Predator kills us, I'll make sure to put a bullet in both of our heads, and that'll be it. To which, uh, you know, Topher starts showing his true colors. Oh. That's right. It's a very toxic. There's so many to choose from around here. Well, don't worry. It's not fatal. You'll be able to experience everything. So he did stab her with the scalpel that had the neurotoxin I explained on earlier. And this is the twist that everybody fucking saw coming come on i know it was ruined for me but even if i saw this fucking movie i had my notes halfway through this thing that says you know i know what topher did but i tried to watch it and try to block that part out of my mind even when you first meet him you're just like there's something different about him even they they like i don't understand why he's here you know everything that's going on and you know they keep cutting back and forth and there's even more where topher explains exactly what he is which is a dick. I guess now you realize why they chose me. I was right in front of you guys the whole time. Just watching you. Earning your trust. You couldn't see me for what I really am. You see back home. I don't murder I'm a freak. But here, among the monsters, I'm normal. I like it here. I want to. Now, this is the point where he's going to go and he's going to try to kill Braga's character. But Brody shows back up proving that he has a little bit of a heart and he is trying to save him. But I think he also realized that the ship wasn't going to work out in his way. That, you know, if he, if his buddy, Predator Lost, Predator Classic, then Predator New would blow up the ship. Or at least he was thinking that that way, that there's no way that they're going to just let him take the ship and, and there's a way that he's going to get off. So he ends up getting the two out of the... Uh, you know, out, out of the pit and he's carrying Braga's character and slowly but surely, you know, they're talking about things uh, and he realizes that there's something wrong with her. He can tell. You can tell on his face. He doesn't say anything yet, but before, you know, Topher gets the chance, uh, Brody gets the upper hand on him. You're so busy taking care of others. You have to look out for yourself. We can't out here. I didn't think you'd come back. But she, she never lost faith in you. 
I guess I owe you an apology. You are a good man after all. No. I'm not. Hell yeah, get that fucker. This is for leaving that 70s show. Uh, this is for Venom. Uh, and this is for not going out first and making Danny Trejo go out first in this movie. Uh, stab that guy. Uh, so fucking rewarding at this point in the film. Uh, you can even see kind of on his way. He knew exactly what was going on. He wasn't fooled by what was happening. He knew that the guy was, uh, you know, there was something else wrong with him. And so what does he do? He does probably my favorite thing in the movie, besides everything else, and not just stabbing, uh, you know, him right there. He turns him into the Topher bomb. He puts a bunch of grenades on his chest, put him down face first, and when the predator comes over and stabs him through there and lifts him up, he's got you know all of the grenades, and they've all been basically set off because he stabbed him through. And before Topher dies, he says, "I was one of you," because really. He felt, and, and what my thought is on this whole thing, and I could be totally wrong, and it's probably way open to interpretation on this. Topher's been on this planet for a while, and he has used the things like the the parachute to, you know, trick everybody that's going there. Now, I could be wrong. He could have just only been here for the small amount of time that everybody else was here, and he was selected because he was a murderer. But I'm thinking that he was selected a while ago for being the murderer. And he's actually just been running around killing things just like the Predators have. But he's been able to get away with it uh, more than, you know, basically going on his tibbedness like he has with these other ones. And this is where the whole Agatha Christie thing comes in. And then there were none. Because everybody's been, he's the least likely person to be the killer. And he turns out that he's the killer. Now, you could also say that, you know, I understand they're predators in this movie as well, but really he's also been methodically helping everybody get killed off because he seems to be involved with everything. <clears throat> and he's been a big goddamn liar for most of the fucking movie. And you can't trust him, even from the moment that you see him hanging there to now when he thinks that he can get away with also stabbing Brody with his scalpel and putting him in with a toxin. Well, now that this trap was set up, for age or for the predator and the predator survived the explosion somehow brody has learned from braga and he's completely covered himself in mud so he can't be seen and he runs around with his giant club axe thing and starts bashing the predator over and over and over again they have a pretty interesting fight uh he the predator does get the upper hand on him one at one point and then it just seems like Braga does her best Uma Thurman impression from Kill Bill, starts to try to move her big toe uh, so that she can wa well, crawl over and get the sniper rifle and take a shot at the Predator, which she's able to do. But this causes him to shoot his like claw blade thing into her shoulder and pin her against the tree. Uh, weakened in the state after taking that bullet from her sniper rifle, uh, Brody beats the helmet off of the predator and then buries the hatchet literally into his head thus killing the predator and they are the last two to survive they have a little bit of a heartfelt moment where we finally realize the actual names of these two characters i'm royce nice to meet you royce 
And this is where Brody's character Royce now has that emotional connection to her and everything. Because they're the last two survivors left. It's been building. He's been a very badass in trying to separate himself from everybody. And so has she. And he finally realizes that, you know, she's the real deal. And that to be able to survive, he needs to be with her. You know, uh, they look up into the sky they, now it's turned to morning, and all of a sudden, new cargo drops are coming. You see some humans being dropped. You see some uh, different cages being dropped. They look at each other. It pans down to them. And now this is probably going to be a little bit longer than you want it to be, but there's a really weird ending song to this movie after the orchestral music where they have their final words of the film, and we end the film. Now... Let's find a way off this fucking planet. such a weird ending song to to finish it on i I would rather have it just play the orchestral stuff uh through the rest of the movie and even with the beginning of it you know it's so short and then that's the same music that gets played the beginning as it does the end uh and overall i gotta say i like this movie i really really like this movie it was well acted uh I, i I can't stand Brody's bad guy type of thing. It's like if you had to listen to Christian Bale's Batman for an entire movie and not just for the small sequences, he's Batman. It's a little difficult to deal with, but in general, the characters are pretty fleshed out, uh, except for Danny Trejo's character. You learn, but you do learn a little bit about everybody. Um, you know, there are questions that couldn't, you know, be answered upon first watch through and probably not even second or thirds. But in general, it's a very enjoyable movie. It's This is a stupid popcorn movie. This is that movie that you watch when you just want to be entertained. You're just going to turn off your brain for a little bit, and you're going to watch it. And it's a perfect successor to Predator. It's a much better movie than Predator 2. I'll dare say it. Uh, it's, like I said, it's fun. I, I wish that some characters lasted longer than others. I, I wanted to see where Danny Trejo's character was going to go, but he got taken out like a bitch. Uh, the twist with Topher Grace's character was seen from a mile away. Even if I didn't know about it, I think I could tell what was fucking going on, you know, when you see him. But he's an interesting character. Has he been there forever? Has he ju- Did he just arrive with them at the same time? You know, is he the true predator of the group? It would have been neat if it had gone along those routes and they're really... You could take predators out of this movie and you could be it could just be about fucking Topher Grace's character 
killing everybody, putting him into these traps, or uh, Lawrence Fishburne's Nolan up to a certain point killing everybody, and Nolan knew who Topher Grace's character was, and he was trying to kill him because, you know, he didn't want to have to deal with him anymore. There's a lot of things that could happen. I mean, adding the Predators to it is kind of a bonus because there were some pretty cool scenes, but... You know, there are times where it does feel like maybe it's a little bit of an afterthought. The fact that they're there, um, you know, I wish they had been seen earlier in the film. I wish that they, you know, were prominent in some of the uh, bigger action set pieces. Like, it would have been kind of neat with the trap thing. Uh, if they had set the trap and the predator was the one that was dodging through it, but I understand the setup there, what's going on. Uh, visual effects were great. Uh, there's the really cool shot of when they realize that they're not on earth they're in some planet somewhere and you see the landscape in the back, you know, uh, the, the costumes for the predators when they were the predators. So the, the, the last remaining predator, when he didn't have the mask on fucking badass. They did such a good job with the look of the Predators and even with the outfits and how well they moved mobily. It didn't seem stiff. Everything looked really good. The masks were pieces of shit. The only one that looked good was the last one that you saw for Predator Classic, uh, which was the classic-looking Predator mask, and that's why I call it that. Um, The, you know, uh, I, I may have ragged a little bit on Isabella, uh, in the beginning of this review, just because it, she does play it like Michelle Rodriguez. And, you know, I hate the trope that they did, but the character is not terrible. It's just what they do with the character that makes me upset with it. Uh, the the prisoner, uh, Strands, I don't know. He's supposed to be comic relief. And like I said, some things that he said in the movie were very funny and very timed appropriate. Like the time where he has his knife and is like, fuck this motherfucking shit. That was really funny. And the beginning of the other thing about raping women uh, was funny. But when he got to that, why did that need to be in the film? You know, was that really that important to the character that you're going to talk about doing that? You know, and he kind of remained an asshole through the entire film, and that's kind of what that actor's known for, sadly. That's the only way I recognize him, is really through Tarantino, the two Tarantino films, and he's acting like an asshole. Um, so I give the gore in this movie, it's a four out of five. There were some really good scenes. The Sub-Zero scene was excellent. There were a lot of practical effects for a lot of things, especially when it came to the dog things and one of the aliens later in there. Uh, and even the way some of the guys taken out, it was a little toned down, but for the good scenes and and even with the toned down scenes, it didn't seem as terrible as it could be. The fun factor. Well, we'll do the craft factor of this movie. The craft factor is a three out of five. Some, maybe we don't even need to have some characters to make some things a little shorter here and there. Uh, but you know, it's a movie that really doesn't even need the predators in it. And that's what makes it kind of crappy. Uh, I kind of want to see more about them, but there are really cool things with the lore. There are really cool fight scenes, predator on predator, predator on samurai, predator on Brody that are very entertaining. Uh, and the movie is not slow. Uh, the fun factor, I'm giving it a four out of five. It doesn't get the five because of Adrian Brody's fucking accent. That's the major issue I have with everything in this movie. And, you know, Lawrence Fishburne a little bit. I like the character. I like both of those characters. They are my favorite characters in the film. But Lawrence Fishburne was only being a little hammy, too, I should say, uh, with that. Overall, I'm giving this a three and a half, five, 3.5 out of five. Uh, Topher Grace Bombs. 
I think everybody should see this movie. Your mileage will vary depending on how well you like the franchise. Uh, it is much better than Predator 2. It's not better than Predator. I like the callback to Predator. I almost gave it a 4. Uh, I can't give it a 5. It's just there's a, there's a couple of plot holes that really I, I want answers to and I really don't get answers to. And, you know seeing Topher's change from a mile away, even if nobody had told me that it's very, he's not a good twist. And I don't know why it needs to be in this film. If we're really supposed to be focusing on the predators, cause he's not really, he didn't really kill anybody, kill anybody. He was about to kill Isabella, but that was it. So, well, for our next episode, we are going to be looking at a, another classic. And I've decided to do something that's a lot more, uh, comedic horror, uh, then our standard horror, and then we're going to change gears after that, and we're going to go old school. But for next week, here's our next film. Lucky. Barbie, eat your heart out. That's right, we're going to look at the Jennifer Tilly classic, Bride of Chucky. Now, I decided to go with Bride of Chucky versus Seed of Chucky. Uh, even though Jennifer Tilly's kind of, you know, in it quite a bit in both, uh, since there's that weird thing about her being the actress Jennifer Tilly rather than just the character in Seed of Chucky, but. I haven't seen this one in so long, and I really enjoy this one a little more uh, than I do Seed of Chucky. Uh, and it was suggested uh, a while ago by uh, listener Patrick Solis uh, that, uh, to do this. And you know what? This is the time for me to do Bride of Chucky. So as always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at T underscore T underscore podcast, where I run polls and, uh, you know, sometimes I talk about... Uh, a couple of things, but mostly, you know, it's podcast-related stuff. Uh, or you can go on the Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash terribleterrorpodcast, where I try to put up clips of the films uh, as well as some of the mini-reviews I've done. Now, as of this episode of the podcast, I have done a review for the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from 2015 called Maggie, also starring Abigail Breslin. Right now, at this point in the podcast, I am fighting YouTube over copyright claims. As soon as that hopefully gets cleared, because this is a review and it should be underneath fair use, 
um, I have to wait and see if I can get it back up. And hopefully it'll be back up uh, after you've listened to this episode. And I'd please like it if you check it out. Uh, you can find it on the Facebook page. I've made a link there, and hopefully it'll be active. And maybe you're in a country right now, too, listening to this that has it. But definitely in the U.S., you cannot watch it right now. Um, but it will also be able, available on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Tolbert, T-O-O-L-B-E-R-T. There's also the review up there for um, Hell and Back. Uh, and then hopefully uh, these will become maybe like a once a month thing. Uh, I just saw Maggie on Amazon Instant Prime uh, and thought, what the hell, I'll watch it. And then I thought this would make a great uh, video review. But currently... As of this episode, uh, fighting a couple of legal issues. And hopefully you get that cleaned up and you guys can watch it. Uh, you can also please you know, rate and review the podcast. Uh, it helps me a lot. If you could go to iTunes and you could give it a review and that you could rate it a couple of stars. So hopefully that this podcast becomes more visible. I am very ecstatic with all the people that listen to the Jason X podcast. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate everybody that does listen to this and takes their time. If you have any comments or questions, you can also leave them on Stitcher, Spreaker, Blueberry, or Google Play, depending on the format that you want to use. So next episode, uh, get ready to watch Bride of Chucky. Uh, it can be found on Amazon or iTunes. You can rent or you can buy it. Uh, I believe there's also some of it available on YouTube. Uh, and, you know, uh, watch it before the next episode and we'll discuss it. Thanks again. Bye-bye. <laughs>